0: Thank you. out. <clears throat> so again we'll be getting to that and this is a long overdue episode an episode that i've been meaning to make for a long time in some ways i thought this might be the first episode that i would make but <clears throat> turns out that i waited for a while to put this together it's because i wanted to do it right i wanted to make sure that i didn't uh, skimp on this i didn't want to make this episode quick i didn't want to make this episode Short-change in any way, because if you know me at all, you know that I have been um, very active in fighting against the abortion holocaust. And that's why you might see the title as deceiving or strange, at least the title of the episode being I don't want to talk about abortion. I'm not pro-life because I don't. That's where it's kind of, it's kind of sneaky, but it's not being deceptive. It is uh, kind of, I guess it's kind of deceptive in a way, trying to bait and switch in a way, uh, what do you call those nowadays, uh, the jargon? Uh, it's a uh, clickbait, <laughs> so I guess it is. But, because uh, I don't even want to talk about abortion, because abortion is a misnomer. Abortion is a term that's been created, they've been inserted, I mean it's a term that's used for other things, it's been inserted to distract from the reality of what is taking place. Place. And what is taking place is that a pre-born image bearer of God Almighty is being murdered in the womb of its mother. Uh, boys and girls being slaughtered in the one place that should be the safest, most precious place they could possibly be. So it isn't, I don't want to call it abortion. I don't want to talk about abortion. In fact, as much as I can, I don't like to use the term abortion. I like to use the term the slaughter of pre-born image bearers, and I hate to but that's what it is. That's what's taking place. And because I talk like that, that kind of might give you the idea that I'm not pro-life because pro-lifers generally don't talk like that. But it's more than just how I talk. It's that I have a sincere problem with the pro-life movement, with pro lifeism Now, I used to be pro-life. I used to be a pro-lifer like most um, professing Christians would say they are. And there are a lot of folks out there that are um, good followers of Christ that so still call themselves pro-life, and uh, I'm hoping to change their mind because I think that those ones that are true Christians that are embracing the pro-life movement really just don't understand it very well, and they need to be educated, and they need to see that the error of it, and they need to be able to see how they can move forward beyond the pro-life movement into what God's new paradigm is. And I'm going to hope to help with that tonight. But before I go into that, let's just go over the brief things that we start up each episode for so you kind of know where this is coming from. As you saw this starting out right when I was getting going, you probably saw the um, Core Issues podcast page. So I'll, I'll open that up again so you can see it. I'm going to pull it over here to the side so we can kind of go over this. So this podcast that I do, I do it, if you're watching right now, if you're watching this, you're seeing me live or you're watching it on the Core Issues podcast page, and that is on Facebook. I have a Core Issues page there, you can scroll over there, just look up Core Issues in Facebook, and you will see the uh, episodes as you scroll down, the different episodes. Uh, last one I did was number seven, do lockdown work? Boy, I should have gone, I think I missed this is number seven. I'm going to have to change the, the title in this as I put it up. on this seven as well. Um, number seven was the lockdowns work. It was kind of a flash episode almost. Um, so this will be episode eight, actually. So but you can catch all the different episodes of Core Issues on the Core Issues podcast page. So you can check that out there. And if you also are one of those folks who likes to watch these, uh, you like to listen to your podcasts, then Anchor FM is the host. And I just want to give a shout out to them because Anchor FM has been awesome. Again, they host my podcast. And what I do is I go take and make, once I make the video podcasts on uh, the core issue page, then I go and I download that file from Facebook, my computer, and I just drag it over here to Anchor, and Anchor converts it into a audio podcast format, and then they distribute it for me on all the biggest podcast services. So if you like to listen to podcasts and don't catch the videos now, you will miss out. It's videos I like to show people information, but you've got to get the info at least verbally can pick it up, and this is the places where my podcast is presented. So it's on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and it also has an RSS feed. So you can pick up my podcast and listen to it at your leisure as well. So whether you want to watch it and go back and watch previous episodes on the uh, Core Issues page on Facebook, or where you want to pick it up at your favorite uh, podcast server you can find core issues probably just about anywhere you need so audio or video it's available for you but I do encourage video not because of my smiling face because I'm anything great to look at but because as we go over issues I will show them because I found a lot of people that said I research things out and uh, a lot of people will say when I've had conversations people say well that's not true oh I no I don't believe you and they kind of or they'll at least cast doubt if they don't openly say they don't believe so I like to go and while I'm on the show I just go right to the web pages show you the information right as we're in the midst of looking at it. So people can just see that I'm pulling this stuff up, I'm showing it to them right there from the pages, showing them information and then they can choose take it or leave it at that point whether they want to agree with or believe what I am talking about. But I try to make sure that by doing this you see um, that I am indeed talking about these issues and showing the the places where I'm getting my info. So you can go check it out and look at it yourself and uh, see if you find me choose to be credible. I put the information out there. I I try to be completely honest and legit with you, and you find out and you believe what you want to believe and see what you want to do, but I pray that by the grace of God you'll see it's true and right and act upon it in that way. So everybody that's tuning in tonight, I'm filming. It's almost 1 in the morning. I see Tammy. Hey, Tammy. Good to see you. My old sergeant's there checking out online. I don't know when she's watching. but Good to see you there. I've got my phone still. The easiest way for me to keep that up is just run the phone and then I can uh, see people tuning in over on the chat stream there as I'm looking at it here but let's just get right into this how how am I going to address this how am I going to explain to you how uh, what, what it means to be an abolitionist because that's what I'm talking about I am, a, I am an abortion abolitionist I am not pro-life I'm a born again Christian but I am not um, I am not a pro-life I am an abolitionist and what does that mean Like you've seen before, I've shown you the Repentance and Belief webpage, and that's the core issues main ministry webpage. And we've covered a lot of that information. You see right there the abortion abolitionism page. And when you look at this page, if you go to the abortion abolitionism page here, you will see all kinds of resources regarding abolitionism. So this page is packed, and I will say this, and I say this. Being boasting, I'm just telling you, it's just—it is just the truth. This page has more abortion abolitionism resources, as far as organizations, groups, however you want to call them, people, um, individuals, and groups together um, that get together, ministries, and fight against abortion, as well as links to uh, just about any, pretty much any major national group dealing with. Abortion Holocaust, Dealing with Abolishing Abortion, you will find that here in this page, on this page. And the first thing you'll see, the first link is to the Doctrine of Abolitionism, Abolition 101. I encourage anybody to go read that and sign on to the document. Then you'll see lots of videos. You'll see my videos where I've done, I'm going to explain what abortion abolitionism is. I'll explain the difference of uh, pro-life movement and abolitionism, um, pro-life things I'm going to t- cover tonight in detail, but you can go to this page and just get tons of information from tons of resources. Ministry videos, training videos, uh, videos that are connected directly to um, ministries like End Abortion Now and their big conference. So you can watch uh, the first Babies you Murdered here. You can watch Babies you Still Murdered here. You can get your stuff from Abolishing Abortion, um, the original live 6 parts, uh excellent uh, uh, conference they had on end abortion now, which I still think is one of the best. Six great messages there. Operation State of America, New um, Free the States, which is an excellent the first ever lobbying group nationwide. They are based out of Oklahoma and they have their main focus there. They are helping abolitionists all over the country. Have been helped to me as I've been uh, working with them. And then you have Abolish Abortion Oregon. And I've got some abolitionist podcasts on there, first of which being the first one that came out, the Resisting Balaam podcast, um, as well as the Liberator podcast, and then of course my own, the Core Issues podcast. I've got a couple blogs that I put together. Not much on it with uh, Save Souls and Babies and Time to Win the Battle, Kevin Myers. And I've got downloadable print resources here: booklets, printable flyers, um, all kinds of stuff—just good stuff slideshows, I'm going to be going over this slideshow, Abortion Abolitionism Updated and Expanded. That will be covered in this video, which will cover these pictures here that are also available. to Once In other words, as I go through this, I'm going to cover a lot of information in this show. Incredible book, Doctrine of Balaam by Pastor C.R. Kelly He is one of the hosts on the Resisting Balaam podcast. Highly recommend that book. Highly recommend Reverend Russell Thomas's book, Abortion Violation. Read them both. Excellent. Doctor of the Lesser Magistrate. Also read that by Pastor Matthew Ruhella. Excellent. And that deals with how we should deal with not just the slaughter of pre-born image bearers in our abortion holocaust, but also how people should be looking at this in the doctor of interposition and the doctor of the lesser magistrate and these current mass mandates and virus stuff and all sudden that's going on right there with COVID-19. It's a vital book for the freedoms of Americans that people are actually starting to take part in, actually starting to look at, and that's that defy tyrants. Checking all this out, if you want to see some information, head over here to the abortion abolitionism page in the core um, ministry's website at repentanceandbelief.com, and you can get that information in depth. But this is all tied to repentance and belief because repentance and belief, that's what I'm about. I'm about the hope that in everything else that we do, and all that we do. God would grant repentance and belief to the hearers. As you heard, the the issues we talk about are issues that touch everybody and how those issues uh, touch the gospel, how the gospel touches those issues, as it were. And that means the gospel is necessary for you to hear, for you to know. And we should be preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. And I never get tired of telling it because it is my joy. It is the greatest message ever. It is why I have everlasting life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ and I want to tell you what it is in short and simple. Because you need to know it. We all should we for Christians, we should rejoice in rehearing it as we tell it to ourselves every day as we hear from others. And I want to give you a synopsis of it. And it's this that we're sinners. We've lied, we've stolen, we've hated, we've lusted, we've been greedy, we've disobeyed our parents, we've disobeyed other people, we've done all kinds of wicked deeds and had wicked thoughts in our mind. Jesus says to us, if you've even looked at a woman to lust after her, you've been adultery in your heart, if you've hated somebody you've murdered in your heart. In other words, God doesn't just see the wicked actions we do but he sees into our very thoughts and minds and knows that from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and from the intentions of our hearts evil actions take place and good actions take place. But all of our actions whether we think we are be good enough no matter what we do, they are as filthy rags before God Almighty. The Bible says that our righteousness is are as filthy rags. So friends, you will not stand before God and be able to bribe your way into heaven by saying, look, at, I did all this good stuff. I have a good life. I have a good scale, weighed 70, 70 30, or even 60, 40, or something. Good to bad. I, I deserve heaven. Nobody deserves heaven. Folks, the Bible says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says very clearly that, that which is without faith is sin. In other words, what we do for ourselves, what we do that we think is good, the reason why it's bad is so we don't do it bring glory to God, we don't do it in thankfulness to our creator who gives us the ability to do anything good we do so without being thankful and we can understand that if we think that for just a minute folks, so if you're here tonight and you're thinking man, that just doesn't seem doesn't seem right, you know, if I'm going to be a good person and still get end up going hell, it's because would you, would you be happy if your kid that you had and you trained how to do everything you did say you trained them to be a great swimmer and for uh, a boxer, I like this one. This is to go right into a Rocky movie. I don't like Rocky movies too much. But say you did everything to train someone to be a great boxer, like old Rocky did with uh, Tommy Morrison. Remember in that one, Tommy Gunn, the most, the most forgettable Rocky movie there was, Rocky V. But uh, he taught Tommy Gunn, everything, took him under his wing, turned him into a great fighter, got him trained up, and then he got into the big leagues, picked up by a big promoter. and His first big fight when he wins the championship, Rocky's watching. He's not even there, but he's not wanted there. Looks in the camera, and Rocky's thinking he's gonna say it's all because of Rock and he ends up giving all credit to his promoter, who done nothing to train him. And uh, would you still think that was a good thing? Would you be, would you be uh, happy in the championship the, the kid won uh, by giving credit to someone that wasn't due? And you might still be, because um, at the at the core, you're still not his creator. You're still didn't give him arms and legs and everything, abilities and natural gifts that of course God gave him you'd be pretty frustrated, just like Rocky was. And uh, you think when God gives you the ability, gives you the grace, gives you the heartbeat, gives you the wind, gives you all the gifts that you have, and then you don't give glory to him, you don't give him the glory and the thanks and the honor for what you're able to do, it's not pleasing to him. So friends, look to God. Because not only did he give you every breath, every heartbeat, every good and perfect gift you've ever received, he's given his only begotten son. Because of our sin, these are the sins of the people from beginning of the world to the end. All of His people, throughout all of history, are those who will be saved or have been saved. And the way you'll know you're one of His people is if you're broken over your sin at some point in your life, and you recognize you need a Savior. And you look to Jesus Christ, and you go, "I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I've done all those wicked things. Thought many wicked thought, and I've lived by my own power. Lived under my own." desires, and I recognize the stain on my life, and that I need a Savior, and Christ, I'm looking to you to be my Redeemer. You turn to Jesus Christ, and you say, forgive me, Lord, and I tell you, there's no specific prayer. There's just a heart tuned to God that says, I'm a sinner, and need of salvation. Lord Jesus, please save me, and he will save you. He will give you everlasting life as you repent and believe that good news that he died on that cross to save sinners. When you have that new heart and that new mind, you will care about the things of God and how they relate to this abortion holocaust, to the slaughter of his image bearers, unlike ever before. And uh, that's why I'm so um, powerfully attached to this, because it is definitely a gospel issue. It's a life and death issue. And there's nothing been more bloodshedding, more wicked than we've had in this nation. It is the world's holocaust, unlike anything else. And so... I don't like to talk about abortion because it's not what it is. I want to talk about the fact that it is the slaughter of pre-born image bearers. And pro-life isn't enough, so I don't want to talk about pro lifeism I want to talk about the right way to deal with it. And that is abolitionism. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's focus on that. Get up there and pull up our slideshow. slideshow, Abortion Abolitionism. So i scoot over here. Hello, Clement horse Welcome to the show. Abortion Abolitionism Eradication, Not Regulation. So in other words, the pro-life movement, and as we talk about this, the pro-life movement focuses on Regulating, not eradicating abortion, preborn image-bearer slaughter. We'll show that as we go through this slide. So what is abolitionism? Abolitionism, quite simply, is the working towards complete eradication of a certain evil or, or practice. In our nation, and really the world, abortion is the social evil that far and away outstrips all other evils. It is the number one cause of death in America. Roughly thirty, five hundred of God's image bearers are destroyed every day in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Abortion is the sin now largely celebrated in our culture and only mildly opposed in our churches. Abortion, abolitionism's impetus, is summed up in four words from God. You shall not murder, you shall not kill those pre-born. five tenets. If you do not embrace these five tenets, you are not an abortion abolitionist. There's argument over this, there's stink over this, but this is what truly separates an abolitionist from a pro-lifer. It's vital that you understand them, and so we're going to take the time to go through them. If you've never heard them before, you will know them by tonight. Let's get going. The first tenet, biblical. We strive to bring the truth revealed in God's word into conflict with the worldly wisdom of man. Rather than leaving the Bible out of our engagements, we are determined that it should be the foundation for everything that we do. The concept of abolitionism, the removal of evils, is derived from the Word of God. It follows from the call to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God, Micah 6.8. God's people are explicitly instructed to wash themselves, make themselves clean, and remove the evil of their deeds from sight. To cease to do evil, learn good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. Isaiah 1 16 and 17. The Bible does not merely command believers to abstain from evils, but also to expose them, Ephesians 5.11. Abolitionism also follows from the practice of pure and undefiled religion, to look after the orphans, abandoned children, and widows, women in need, in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James 127. The work of abolition is also required if we are conscient and consistently keep the two great commandments in a culture that dehumanizes. <clears throat> me. I'm trying to read this and a little thing come up but I don't know if it comes up on your screen it dehumanizes and destroys our fellow image bearers and neighbors Luke 4, 18 and 19 now this is as I read through these I'm reading through the official write-ups on these <coughs> this is not my original Summation. Abortion abolitionism, <clears throat> the abolition of the slaughter of preborn image bearers, can be summed up by this quite simply. As you've seen it here in great detail, far less is this. If it isn't based on biblical guidelines, right out of the Holy Bible, if it isn't based on biblical truth, then it's wrong. And abolitionists don't take part in it. It has to have its foundation and its root in the Bible biblical. That's why this is a Protestant Christian movement. This isn't for people <clears throat> outside of the Christian faith. You cannot be an abolitionist without holding to the five tenets. Some people wonder why. Well, we're not pro-lifers. I'm not saying we won't work with people that are pro-lifers. I'm not saying we don't hope people will vote. <clears throat> people won't get in the fight against the slaughter of pre-born immigrants. I hope people won't be immediatists, which is vitally important and one of the tenets of abolitionism To be an abolitionist, you must be a born-again Christian. And that's clear, because if you're not born-again Christian, you're not going to be biblical. You may follow some of the biblical guidelines, especially as it pertains to abolitionism, and we hope that they would. But again, we're Christians. We want people saved above all else. We want the gospel to penetrate into life, and that's why, of course, we'll get into Scriptures dealing with out of the Bible. We will deal with those specifically. You shall not murder. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Proverbs 24 11. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Psalm 123. <clears throat> Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Moloch. For you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Sacrificing they give their newborn babies to Moloch. That is sacrifice. God hates a proud look a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, Proverbs 6.17 Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We are a nation, we are a world sadly, and not only takes part <clears throat> in wicked things like abortion and slaughtering, pre-born image bearers but we give approval to those who do them. And I think that some people that might almost sound backwards. I used to think it did. Well, don't you g- generally you would say approve of something before you do it? But no, think about it. Sometimes you do things. In our history of our nation, there have been things that people say. Oh man, son, daughter, I have done this thing, but it's wrecked me. It's ruined me. It's been horrible to me. Don't do what I've done. Learn from what I've done. I don't. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to t- walk the path I've taken. I don't want you to do the things I've done straight from that to now where people don't just hide their sin, don't wail over their sin, don't weep over their sin. They say, oh, yes, you, not only should you take part in this, you should join me in it and uh, you should glory in it and I glory in what others do it. That's how sad and depraved we truly become. And why not do evil that good may come? Romans 3.18 Wickedness, that is key. We do not do pro-life incremental steps. Little things that are actually evil, thinking to bring about some good. And we'll get into that in depth as we go along. Oops, Why did I, do that? I stopped it. All right. Oh, let's get through that. We went through that one. Here's where we're at, folks. One hundred plus million murders. Roe v. Wade. How do I say that number? Some of you might hear say 55, 65, something like that. Well, how do we know that? Because something that a lot of people don't want to talk about is that the abortion holocaust is doesn't just consist of those going into the mills. We have certain states that don't even report those as well, but then we don't know the clear numbers of those who murder through um, morning-after pills. Do you realize those morning-after pills that can be functional up to five days? They try to say that those aren't abortions, but my friends, they are just like you didn't know, maybe, that uh, a lot of people didn't know, I didn't know until a few years back, but did you know that standard chemical uh, birth control, they're all borderface IUDs and the pill, those are border meaning they can cause abortion. Okay. One of the things that happens when you take a pill, take the abortion pill, and all that's all the morning after pill is, is high doses of the standard birth control. Also, tries to um, thicken the membrane on the cell, so that it's harder for the sperm to penetrate that. But then, what it also does—the third thing that it does—and this is the deadly, this is the abortifacient part—it thins the lining of the uterine wall, so that a newly fertilized egg, in other words, a new human being—which seventh grade biology tells us, folks— is as soon as the sperm human being and sadly because of the wickedness of our nation, because of the profitability of abortion, of slaughtering those children for people's convenience, the medical industry has tried to change when they call life beginning, even though the textbooks still make it clear. They try to say that pregnancy begins at implantation, which could be several days after um, fertilization. But see friends, pregnancy begins at fertilization. Of a new image bearer of God, created at immediately in fertilization, so they try to m- mask the idea of it not being murder by saying, "Oh, well, really, it's not the, uh, it's not uh, abortion because the baby has not implanted." So even though one of the purposes of birth control and especially the morning after post to make the uterine wall inhospitable for that new baby to not be able to implant and grow and be nourished. Dead, the baby starves to and dies. Yes, very small. Yes, teeny tiny. But it's a human being, and it's murder. So if you take part, taking part of chemical birth controls, you are playing Russian roulette with a possible child. You should never do. You wouldn't do that with your baby inside the crib. You wouldn't take a chance, the main chance, to kill it by some kind of pill or something you might take, or breastfeed, or feed with some kind of food that just might kill them. Morning after pills, and then that's not even getting into the other thing, which I think would make this number skyrocket, probably even way past 100 million. That's something a lot of Christians even think is okay. A lot of people think is okay. There's big whole places for it. Another thing I didn't really think about till last few years is this: IVF, in vitro fertilization. Do you know how it takes place? People argue for ethical ways, but there really is no real good ethical way. You might be able to pull it off, but it comes down to selfishness. especially in America. But here's the thing. This is standard IVF procedure. Husband and wife go in. They're not able to have children. So they present uh, sperm and eggs to the um, <clears throat> doctor. doctor gets the eggs, retract, extracts them from the woman through a surgical procedure, some like syringe or something. A man generally just, of course, then usually in, this, in these places, of course, gets into sinful and sinful um, things like uh, Jesus says. If you look at one of lust after, they usually give you some room to go in and open up a bunch of porn magazines and everything, and you know, masturbate and squirt your uh, semen into a uh, collection jar so they can then confiscate that. So you got that sin getting in there to get go, and then go in to try to create the, uh, the human beings in the test tubes. And what they do is they. Several eggs, and they fertilize several eggs. What happens at fertilization? We just talked about it. You have a new human being. And what they do is they then rate those that are come together. where we actually see fertilization, they rate them A, B, C, D, and they keep the A's and the rest they either freeze and or just immediately dispose of. And that's what we see them in frozen storage where they. officially Only one year younger than her, she's like twenty-seven. She had one of the miracle adoptions, she seems to be a snowflake adoptee. I didn't read the story. She she adopted that little snowflake, so they called little babies there frozen is snowflake adoption, or she just went and um, implanted her own saved for a long time. I don't know, she's like twenty seven, I don't know how that'd be so plus it was obviously somebody else's so I don't know what it was. But anyway <clears throat> Amazing miracle and the awesome working more people tried that. But <clears throat> needless to say, there's probably far more many millions of children who've been aborted through the in vitro fertilization process than through standard abortions, even quite possibly, by countless women going and having several babies frozen who eventually die and left to starve to death and die or. stress it hard enough. Things that we don't think about are things we need to think about. This holocaust of the slaughter of preborn image bearers is atrocious. Frankly. It is just absolutely atrocious. <clears throat> so, the next tenet of abolitionism, providential, biblical, providential. We rely on the providence of God, not the pragmatic pragmatism of man. Abolitionists do not trust in war horses or chariots. We trust in the spiritual means Methods God has given to us in His Word. Abolitionists have always cried, "Duty is ours; the results are God's." We look to the Spirit of God to lead us, believing He is our ever-present guide and that He is not silent. We depend on the providence and sovereignty of God. He giveth to all life and breath and all things. Acts twenty-five is the power of God working through His Holy Spirit to change His hearts. Yet we acknowledge that God has deemed men active participants in this drama. He gives us choices, and these choices have consequences. Matthew nine. We are called to be faithful, to walk in righteousness, to speak the truth in love, and to trust in him above our own understanding. We trust in the providence of God. We don't trust in the wisdom of men. We don't trust in the chariots and the war horses, as Scripture tells us not to. We don't look to men and go, well, let's try to figure the most pragmatic way. Let's find some ends. Do a little evil that good may come. being back to Romans three eighteen, let's compromise. Let's say let's not kill a twenty week baby in the womb. Or let's not kill babies with a heartbeat. Or let's do some other kind of thing about widening hallways or some other restrictions that will save maybe just possibly some babies, even though it will definitely leave others open to be murdered. Friends, that's wickedness. Let's do an evil that good may come. That is slanderous and condemnable. up the church of Jesus Christ needs to wake up we are the ones who need to be standing firm on this from the uh, pre, I, if, I guess you call more philosopher Francis Schaeffer in the 80s said there should be a sign in front of every abortion clinic that reads open by permission of the church and that's sad picture from AHA one of their sayings: help me out. going to church and you're literally just right down the road maybe across the street right next to a place murdering babies where people are going in storing up wrath in the day of wrath just by being there contributing to anything that goes on in those plant parents or any other mill where they're murdering pre-born image bearers there's such a need for churches for people for christians to be there proclaiming gospel truth so that souls Trust in the providence of God. You don't have to trust in men. You don't have to trust in reason. You have to go according to what God's word says. To go, go with the gospel and trust in Him to bring salvation at the mills, bring salvation in the courthouses, bring salvation in the state houses, bring salvation in the individual conversations, at the colleges, at the high schools, in your families, and in your friends. We trust in the providence of God, not in the wisdom of the man. <clears throat> gospel says, Christian movement, and only born-again, born-again, Protestant Christians have a gospel center because there's only one gospel. Rome does not have a gospel, and Rome is what founded the pro-life movement, and Rome is not Christianity. It may offend you, but that's just the truth. The gospel, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to Scripture alone, the five solas. system like Rome has, or like Jehovah's Witnesses have, or Mormons have, or Seventh-day Adventists have, surely isn't through non-Christian leaders that don't even want to think about it being gospel-centered. Folks, only biblical, born-again Christians have the gospel. Jesus. The gospel I shared at the beginning of this show, that we are dead in trespasses and sins, that we're totally deserving of the wrath of In him and him alone in his perfect sacrifice. By trusting, repenting, believing in him, believing in him alone for salvation are saved, not by those who follow the doctrines of faulty religious systems. The gospel is the center. We recognize the chief weapon we possess in fighting against abortion is the gospel. Many people, Roman Catholics specifically, pro-lifers, want to try to get around talking about the gospel, talk about get around, get away from Bible-thumping. Using science and reason and avoiding the scripture and the gospel, we make it the center. Abortion is sin and the only answer for sin is repentance and the saving faith in the finished work of Christ. The gospel alone can truly and permanently mobilize human action, motivate moral behavior and mandate consistent, compassionate, biblical justice. It brings redemption from destruction. It is the wellspring of love, hope, and joy and the real answer to abortion. Christ's great commission into the church is not limited to evangelism but also to requires discipleship. Christ told his disciples to teach them to do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 20, that's right. Isn't just evangelism, it's training up disciples to go and serve God and serve their fellow man. That is what we're about. Abortion is sin. Gospel is the answer. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. sinner ought to know and Jesus, and every Christian does know that. And if we don't leave with the gospel, we have empty promises, we have empty, powerless, un- totally f- futile ways to fight against this holocaust of the pre And again, getting back to that it is a Christian thing only. We are body-driven. This is the next tenet of abolition. We believe that abolition is an obligation of the church we seek to awaken the church from fulfill her ordained purpose, be salt and light in the sin spoiled and darkened world. The primary means God has ordained to display the manifold wisdom of the world is through his people, his body, and his bride. The church must take the gospel to the ends of the earth and bring it into conflict with every dark deed of man. Christians are to abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Romans 12 and 9, to expose evil. the from death, the from flames, and hold back the stumbling from the slaughter. We are body driven. We are driven by the body of Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ is what drives abolitionism. If you're not part of the body, you can't be part of that drive. Our desire to see the body of Christ rise up against the evil of our age and bring the light of the gospel into bold conflict with the darkness of abortion and lead the way in bring legalized child sacrifice. Separates us from um, Christian pro-lifers. You, you have to know you don't have to be a Christian to be a pro-life. You can be a Roman Catholic. It's founded. You can be an atheist. You can be a communist pro-lifer. You can be a uh, LGBTQ pro-lifer. I've met them. I've seen them. Uh, it is. It's all over. So it is possible to be any of those. But you can only be a Christian abolitionist. Ron, good to see you there. Thanks for coming. Tuning- and uncompromised. This is where it separates us out. And here's, here's the thing. You can be an immediateist without being a Christian. You can be an immediatist and uh, that would separate you from many a pro-lifer. But you cannot be an abolitionist without being a Christian. Now you can be a Christian, and I hope you're an immediateist. you can be a Christian and a pro-lifer and an immediatist, and then if that's the case then you're just one step away from actually just tossing that all and embracing abolitionism as you should distinction, clearing, get uh, everybody walking the right path, unified, but many people were hoping no matter who they are, they will compromise whatever they have been before, embrace immediate and uncompromising um, stance against the murder of pre-born image bearers, so read the definition here as it is in the slideshow, abolitionism is just the Christian response to entrenched evil, the evil of abortion will only be overcome by the people of God, conquering the deeds of darkness, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, loving not their lives, even unto death, Revelation 12 11. Just as Christians in 19th century America would have been hypocritical and callous to hold an anti-slavery position while doing nothing to end the practice, we believe that all Christians are called to the non-violent task of working to end abortion rather than merely believing that abortion is wrong. Faith, if it hath not works, is dead, James 2.17. If we love our pre-born neighbor, as we love ourselves, we will not cease to agitate our culture and assist our neighbors into the blood of the most helpless and innocent members of our society ceases to flow as a river through this land. Abolition is carried out by provoking a clash of absolutes between the ways of God and the wisdom of man. Friends, we need to be immediate and uncompromising. We cannot. Two modes to abortion and abolitionism. I'm going to get into the, the issues on um, the mediatism a little more deeply after this, but I want you to see how we would go about this fight, how we are going about abolishing this evil, how we're going about stopping the slaughter of preborn image bearers. And it's through two modes. I went through the five tenets, and these are the two modes abolitionism is something every effort to engage equally in works of assistance and agitation. In this, we simultaneously fulfill our servanthood mandate to be salt, with our prophetic mandate to be light. Okay, abolitionists are not opposed to crisis pregnancy centers. They oppose centers that neglect and even act against the gospel. We want everyone involved in pregnancy, especially pregnant women, to receive the best and most God honoring care available to them. So you, I put that out because some people wonder, "Well, are we against crisis pregnancy centers?" Well, we are against a lot of them, is they don't they're not Christian don't bring the gospel, they don't rightly represent what's going on. But we want people to have that right representation. That's why we take part in that type of assistance. We support those who are doing the right things. So you get the five tenets that went through, and you get the two modes, assistance and agitation. Are both, both of the five tenets and two modes are vital to being an abolitionist. But we also need to let people know we're not opposed to uh, others being outside of abortion clinics or other venues. They oppose others who neglect or even come against the biblical gospel-centered abolitionists who seek to save souls, babies, and God's glory. And see, that's the key. We're not opposed to clinics. We're not opposed to the, I mean, the pregnancy baby Centers. And we're not opposed to others like uh, Roman Catholics or others being outside of an abortion mill while we're there. We're opposed to the things they do. In fact, we're fine with Roman Catholics. They're great. We love to be able to have them so we can preach the gospel of them too because, again, we're gospel-centered. We understand the greatest thing out there is a need for to be saved so we preach the gospel. We don't try to team up with Roman Catholics or anybody else that would be out there and our Christians because what what part has light with darkness? Jesus don't be unequally yoked together with a non believer. We don't yoke ourselves together to do abortion work just like we wouldn't do it for any other work. This isn't gospel work. This is to be done like everything else to the glory of God. That's our three priorities. We do everything. Number one to the glory of God, number two to the salvation of souls, and number three for the salvation of babies by the grace of God, number one, we seek to glorify God. with need to be in line with the five tenets. Biblical, body-driven, uh, gospel-centered, um, immediate and uncompromising. We want to make sure that the things that we do are in line with the Bible. And so when you look, at the, you look at the two modes and the five tenets, and you look at them and you go, wow, it seems like a lot to remember, the five tenets and two modes. Let me just break it down to you very simply. I'm a simple guy, too, and I can forget stuff all the time. Here's the simplest way to get get this figured out. If you need to know how to figure out between um, how to remember the five tenets and the two modes, how you need to get to all those five tenets in assistance and agitation, you need to remember these two, two words. Very simple. Biblical action. That's the five tenets and two modes summed up in two words. You can open up the Bible and see if the Bible addresses how you are dealing with this Holocaust and slaughter of people and everything. If you're lined up with Scripture and how to deal with it, then you know you are on the abolitionism path. And if you know that you're acting along with that, you're actually doing something. That's what assistance and agitation is, right? Assistance and agitation is acting, it's putting thought, it's putting premise, it's putting uh, theory and theology. So biblical action defines abolitionism. Okay, the biblical abortion response, raising the bars, having biblical action. Okay, and again, if you've if you've been following along, you've gone through the five tenets. You would understand already that abolitionism is not pro life. Not to say that there aren't folks that are pro life Christians who don't have all the agreements with abolitionism, and of course, almost everybody, especially older folks, like um, that have been in the um, Christian world for a long time. Myself, most of us in our you know, 30 pluses, we have all come to abolitionism from the pro life movement. We came out of pro lifeism to become abolitionists. But a beautiful thing is happening now. There's a great, great number of these 20 uh, somethings and teens and things that are coming up that are now, they've never been pro lifers. They were born into abolitionism. They, they embraced abolitionism without embracing pro lifeism. It's beautiful to see. And we pray for this paradigm. 5 tenet abolitionism, biblical action is what we see in, in the world, and we see throughout the continuing history of this world is not pro-life because pro-lifeism is uh, totally different. Abolitionism is not a synonym for pro-life. Okay, we want pro-life is an expression of a moral opinion. Abolition is the expression of a moral action. Do you understand that? You see that? Even that uh, Russell Hunter who kind of put together. Attaching abortion, abolitionism, uh, to abolitionism, slavery. Attached it to understanding that it's even just a better um, word. Pro-life is an expression of opinion. It's just saying, I'm pro-life. It doesn't mean you're doing anything. Abolition, abolition is an action. Abolition is putting something away, doing away with something. It's the expression of a moral action. When you call yourself a pro-life, you're letting people know what you think about abortion. When you call yourself an abolitionist, you're telling them what you aim to do about it. Abolish it. Do away with it. End it. Pro-lifers, and here's the key. Pro-lifers prefer gradual over immediate abolition. That's a key difference. That's something we are way, way different on. Abolitionism has historically been wed to the doctrine of immediatism. The history of the pro-life movement has been one of gradualistic means and measures. Incremental legislation, ameliorative programs, and the inclusion of exceptions to abortion along the way to eventual total abolition. Abolitionists reject the idea that Effectively fight evil by allowing it, in some cases, to do away with it by planned out, incremental steps, which preserve it along the way. Abolitionists reject the notion that you can ever commit evil in order that good may come. Abolitionists cry, cry no compromise. Pro-lifers cry, get the best you can when you can get it, and consistently support the lesser of two evils. You cannot be lesser of two evils with this, folks. We need to abolish abortion, the wickedness that it is. It is it has permeated our society and I needed to do this show I need to do this episode dealing with why I'm an abolitionist and why we can't be pro-lifers because the next episode I'm going to do is another one on vaccines and stuff and I'm going to get into again why we must abolish abortion You must know the foundations of this why it is so integral why pro-lifism has led to the mess that we're dealing with these vaccine messes and virus treatment and all that it's because of our attitude and the way we've accepted about some good, we say, as horrible as that is, we've done wickedly. I've been part of it by the grace of God. I've repented, I pray you join me if you haven't. <clears throat> that's part of the problem, folks. Part of the problem is our compromise with evil. So, you can be. I'm going in here to secular pro life and. But apparently it wasn't that I had on there. So what we're going to do is we're going to go now to the um, abolish abortion page on um, Core here that we went to earlier. We're going to pull it back up here again, and we will just pull up the picture. want you to see one. I just want you to see one of these that just... is. Well, I'm not going to show you. I'm just going to tell you because I don't want to waste the time. It's been a long, been a long show already. I do. I just want to discuss it with you. Hopefully, with less than a thousand words. But hopefully, I can paint the picture for you too, and hopefully, show this to you how it's wrong. And I think I can. think on this one. of, and I have this picture, but I just it was supposed to be in that slideshow. Wasn't it wasn't. Think of this. Common law. Here's a law that was tried to be passed, and this just shows you how weak we are. If you're thinking pro-lifeism is the way to go, and you think that it's got some great progression, back when, uh, 2017, one year into Donald Trump's presidency, uh, the uh, U.S. House and Senate, at that time, the Republicans had every single branch. As we've always had, if you don't know this, the Republican majority for those um, so seated on the Supreme Court has always been, since prior to 1973, has been a Republican-appointed majority. And yet we still have Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, all these wicked things, and people keep foolishly believing if we just appoint the right justices, well, those just have been appointed, and they don't do the job, and these new ones aren't either. You gotta stop trusting in chariots and horses. Anyway, don't. Far off there, but we have that branch. We've had we the branch of the presidency. The Trump administration had the Senate and the House. 2017 had it all year in, and they presented the pain capable Child Protection Act, one of the most moat toast, wimpy, you know, just should be about the easiest pass. The most, there's a majority of Americans still even say that uh, they don't approve of abortion. Act. Trimester, and We're talking, this is late term, okay? This is like into the third trimester. This is where we're talking the baby, they say, can quote-unquote feel pain at this point. He's talking about you can almost save babies alive at this point, and be are born alive and save preemies like this age, 20 weeks almost, it's a little longer than that. So they're saying, we're going to put a this and You know what this would mean? This would mean that still 98% plus abortions would have still been legal, still been able to be carried out every. Would have saved potentially, and I say potentially because it wouldn't actually save anything. Because remember, when you regulate something, and you're not saving anything, you're not stopping anything. You're regulating the way you have to do something. That's just what's well, understood with regulation. But even if the best possibility ever taken is the possibility that less than 2% of aborted babies can be saved, they couldn't even pass that. Even when the Republicans own all, but they couldn't even pass that. But let me explain what that bill means why it's evil, and why a Christian shouldn't compromise with it. Because number one, again, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3.18, says that it's been said, it's only been said, that we say, let there be let, let us do evil that good may come. He says, there that's condemnable, and they're slanderous to say those things, and he's saying that to even say that about Christians is slanderous and condemnable. Friends, we don't say it's slanderous and condemnable. In fact, sadly, nowadays, most Christians say, let's do evil, the good may come. Let's choose the lesser of two evils and justify it and pat ourselves on the back and applaud ourselves for doing evil, the good may come. You know, how is that doing evil? Well, it's very simple. By saying, this baby at 19 weeks, you may murder. The baby at 20 weeks, you must not live. If that isn't just plain, simple evil, it this way, And you may say, well, that's not how things are written. Well, of course they're not. But every law that is on the books has implicit and explicit factors. Once you recognize this, you'll have to agree without a doubt that this is how it is and this is what happens. With the uh, issues of, let's just use a simple one that people all know and understand. Quite easy. Pretty much every state in the union has uh, alcohol law about the age in which you can drink alcohol. And all of them are pretty much always stated, just like all other um, laws are stated, in the negative. And they go something like this. It is prohibited for persons under the age of 21 to purchase and or possess alcoholic beverages. It is a crime to purchase and or possess alcoholic beverages under the age of 21. And that's how the law is stated. The explicit statement of the law is what I just said. Those people under 21 years of age are not allowed to possess or drink alcohol. Okay? pretty straightforward. There is nothing in that law that tells you that it is therefore legal for people over the age of 21, 21 or older, to possess alcohol. Why is it not specifically stated? Because it's implied. Because it is implicit in the law. Everyone knows that if you give the explicit, there is an implicit, implicit side to that law. So no one doubts. When you go to buy alcohol at 21, no one has to have a law to tell you it is legal for you to buy alcohol at 21. All you need to know is that explicitly has been stated that it is illegal for you to purchase or possess alcohol prior to the age 21. 21. So now think of this when we go to a it is explicitly stated that you may not murder a child. Then they will call it murder. Of course, they'll call it abortion. But remember, I'm stating. I don't want to talk about abortion. I want to say, and this has come up a lot. I want to say what it is. It's the slaughter of a preborn image bearer of God. It's a slaughter of a person's own flesh and blood. It's cold-blooded murder. It is illegal. A law, if this was passed by this overwhelmingly Republican government, it would have been a law that would have said it is illegal to murder. 20 weeks old gestation or older. However, the implicit state of that law, it's key to notice in the law, the implicit state of that law is that any child under 20 weeks gestation can be freely murdered. Now, why is that so bad? Why is that actually even evil? biblically? Because it isn't because when you have a law, put into law, see, Roe v. Wade, despite so many people's foolish notions, Christians included, like myself, so by the grace of God, folks, God sent in my life to speak his word and truth and common sense. And I was able to work some things out and by his grace, embrace and repent of this. So I hope you'll join with me in this. hope to be one of those helpers like others were helpers to me. Folks, when you see that, the Bible specifically says in uh, Psalm 9420, can you ally yourself with wicked rulers those who frame injustice by statute. Understand that? That's a statute. That's a law. Roe v. Wade can't plan parent v. Casey, despite all the false statements by legislators and judges around calling it the quote unquote the law of the land. Those are not laws. Those are court opinions. They're opinions from the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is not the Supreme Law of the land. We have three branches of government, and none are higher than the other. And if anybody argues for it, Federalist Papers would probably tell you that the weakest would be the court. But they think they're the supreme law. Of the land. They're not. They're weighing in on opinions. The supreme law of the land, well, of every land, is God and His word. But that's what we founded this nation on, primarily on His word. We argue about it if you want, but that's the truth. And Sir William Blackstone, which you can also look at. William Blackstone was the most looked to um, source for legal uh, his legal mind in the founding of the documents by our founding and framers, founders and framers. Even though he was not for um, the American colonies becoming a nation, but they, he was the major um, jurist. Uh, note that they looked to, and he has a famous statement. He had many famous statements. If you're a lawyer, you study studied in law school. One of his famous statements, and I'm almost quoting perfectly, is to say this. Any law that does not comport to God's law is no law at all. In other words, if you have a law that doesn't align with what God's word says, it isn't law. Okay, That's what our is understood. That's what our country was founded on. Biblical justice, God's law is seen through nature. His word is truth. Okay, folks? And so abortion is murder, and it definitely cannot be. So, even if it was written in law, it'd be wrong. Even if the Constitution had it in there, it'd be wrong. But here's the good news and the blessing we have as Americans it isn't in the Constitution. Roe v. Wade is not law, it's not the law. Of the it's an opinion, and it's wrong. And it is still illegal, it is still unlawful to murder. We're running under a false color of bad law. It's still not a law to this day, except now there are many. Any laws that flowed out of fear of that decision. So now there are laws on the books. What have men and women done in legislatures? In some states they have passed laws like that one when federally failed. They passed it in certain states. What have they done? They've done that which God says is evil. That which God asked rhetorically and obviously is a no. Can you ally yourself with wicked rulers to frame injustice by statute? Woe to those, God tells us in Isaiah 10, 1 and 2. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees. That's what statutes and laws are. Iniquitous decrees, my friends. We need to avoid that like the plague. We need to stay away from that. I'm going to pull them up. I'm going to read to you those scriptures. Because I want you to hear the depth of them. I want you to hear what is said in those couple verses here. Isaiah 10, 1 and 2, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression, they're writing those statutes, writing them into laws and making those decrees, to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be... Who's more fatherless than the abandoned baby in his or her mother's womb when she decides to murder him and the father's probably encouraging it or not knowing about it. So he's fatherless either way. This doesn't speak to the wickedness of abortion. Friends, I don't know what does. This is clearly a wickedness, the principle we must take over and go, oh, that is so wrong. Please, Lord, help us with that. Please help us not to do these things listen to what God says in Psalm 94.20 Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute, they band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Who's more innocent than the child in the world murdered by their own mother, sometimes the father, grandparents even, and the higher hitman? Friends, we shedding and more horrible the slaughter of pre-born innocents. We need to repent of it. We need to stop. We need to stop talking about just a portion music, like some other issue, some issue of some import. It is the issue of import. It is the holocaust of our nation of the world. And it need to not be pro-life. We need to embrace 5 abolitionism for the glory of God, for the good of souls, to my page at repentanceandbelief.com is I want you to get the resources you need to get in the fight against this evil and take part in this work, whether it's downloading these free booklets, and forms, and files, and going to the blogs and reading them, following the podcasts, learning about this issue, watching the videos, going to these different ministries, all kinds of information, some great articles on free of the state, so many good articles stuff get a national publications all kinds of stuff some training videos here training seminars watch uh go watch if you haven't watched the 180 movie just a great movie by ray comfort he talks pro life in there it was long before abolition came out but still kind of a great movie 30 minutes long with a gospel presentation in and about the evil abortion but uh really check out the big uh, babies are murdered here the original and the new babies are still murdered here powerful and, and yet i i highly recommend Whole six set series of the End Abortion Now conference, um, and this this one sermon by Jeff Durbin here. This one was picked up at the more recent, another re- more recent um, uh, End Abortion Now conference. But this powerful message by Jeff Durbin it is, it is rock solid, powerful. And I highly recommend that one. Tear jerker. Um, you go to All and Abortion. They got tons of resource links there. I've got training videos. They said you want to see the to get another explanation of the five tenets spelled out, contrasted, um, as well as the history of the pro-life movement right here. Watch that video right here, pro-life movement history and more. That'll give you thirty-five minutes of the whole history of the pro-life movement out of Rome, as well as a short um, explanation of the five tenets. You might just get the five tenets in depth, twenty-five minutes. The five tenets right there, and then as you come down here, uh, pro-life incrementalism versus media, terms, like s- under seven minutes long. Short punchy one, great there again. Tons of resources. I can't recommend this page high enough. And the resources go to the Read the Doctrine of Abolitionism, sign on to that, and share. Friends, we as Christians need to be abolitionists. So friends, join me. Join me in repentance. Join me in seeking to abolish abortion, not regulated And now, if you've maybe watched my shows before, viruses, and mask mandates, and different types of things, and uh, vaccines and stuff, and you hear me talk about abortion in there, after watching this, you'll know why I'm so passionate about it, and I hope you will become as passionate as, as well, and you'll be a prayerful um, God seeker in this issue, and you'll become a five-tenant abolitionist seeking to carry out the five tenets in two modes, biblical action someday. So again, thank you so much, I know this was a long show, because it's a Huge issue, and I have spent a lot of time on it. I would happy to point you to more research. Get a hold of me through the um, page. If you want to ask questions, you can comment on this episode at the um, core issues page where you'll see the episodes shared there. If you're listening on Anchor FM, you can get a hold of me. Go to the uh, Repentance and Belief website, fill out information uh, sheet there. Just your easiest and fastest way to get a hold of me, just send me a private message through Facebook. I'll make sure to get a hold of you. I check that regularly. Hold with you. I will point you to more recessors. I'll point you to specific ones. I'll answer your questions. Folks, we need to get in the fight. And this foundational episode will help you to see the importance as I go into my next episode where I will be dealing with the new vaccine issues and how people are saying, Well, these ones, these new mRNA, what are these RNA based vaccines? And oh, I hear they're not having a, they anything to do with aborted field cells. So these are ethically. Tell you this well. I we talked about that in depth. You see why the wickedness of the worship. i tie these things together, and we'll get to that on the next episode. Of Core issues. Lord willing. Anyway, thanks again for watching. God bless you all.